0: Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host Ken Corkin. Is it with me as always? Is my longtime friend and pastor Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is season ten, episode twelve, and as always, we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So last week. Tori was here. Yes. I thought she did a good job on the podcast, and I yes. thought she did an excellent job in the sermon.
1: I listened to it as, as, soon as, as soon as I could download it, and I thought she did an outstanding job on the sermon. So that chump didn't get stumped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was off vacationing with my grandchildren, and uh, you would think Sunday would be a complete day off for me, but at 8 o'clock, I find myself checking the watch going— Okay, the band is showing up just about now, and at 9 o'clock, okay, the band uh, is—the Sunday school classes have started, and the band is rehearsing, and at 10 o'clock, okay, church has started, 1025, Tori should be preaching about now. And I I walked through the service with you all, even though I could not hear it. (laughs) Well, she was commenting that uh,
0: she got to the sermon at like 1015. (laughs) <laughs> so it went. I mean, we even had extra announcements, uh-huh. and but she went through it pretty fast, and she's like, "Wow, Rocky makes this stretch out, and I, I don't understand." But then her sermon went long, and so we were kind of back on schedule by the end. By the end of it, but yeah, it's it's different, and um, yeah, I, I was wondering. I figured you were just busy packing up the campsite and getting all, getting yep. everybody in the car. That's and all exactly that kind of what stuff, we were so. doing.
1: But you had a good time? We had a wonderful time. Uh, Just a great time doing absolutely nothing but hanging out with our grandkids. Very cool. All right. So, what are we covering tonight? We're going to pick right up where Tori left off. So, we're in John chapter 4, and tonight we're doing verses 31 through 42. All of the translations are basically the same, so I will be reading from our standard uh, NLT. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, Four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get together the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not, not because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. We know that he is indeed the Savior of the world.
0: Amen. Okay, so a bit of context. We left off uh, last week with Tori. Uh, the woman at the well ran into town and said, hey, 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 you got to come out and see this guy. So we're still kind of at the well. Right the the yes the disciples had come back with some food they, they were sent got, out
1: specifically to buy food because so, Jesus was tired and hungry right
0: and so they came up and they said hey here's some food eat something right <laughs> but he kind of comes up with this weird answer yeah, yeah what is Jesus talking about here
1: it's uh, it's great John the apostle John the author of the gospel loves to teach through misunderstanding that's oh. one of his favorite ways was. And they didn't know what was going on at all. He, he loves that, that method. Um, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you want to be saved? You must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I can't huh? crawl back in my mother's womb. He says to the woman, I can give you living water. And she's saying, but this is a, a dank well, and it, it barely seeps in a, It's dirty, murky water. No, 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 I don't understand. And today he does it with the apostles. They come back, and they've got bread, and they're like— Jesus, finally now eat something. He's like, I've got food you don't know anything about. And what Jesus is saying to them uh, in this particular case is fulfilling your spiritual purpose. And everybody has a spiritual purpose. Fulfilling your spiritual purpose is energizing. It's exciting. Uh, if you were hungry and tired before, when you're doing your thing for God, you don't think about hungry. You don't think about tired. You're, you're in the spirit working with people, doing whatever gift the Holy Spirit has given to you, exercising your gifts, and that is exciting and energizing. Outstanding. But the apostles don't get it at first. No, of course not, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Verse 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, right? Right. Um, Who sent me and from finishing his his work, right? So does he just mean— Obeying God, or is it more than that?
1: Yeah, it's it, you know, obeying God would be go to church on on the Sabbath and pray and read your Bible, and and those are good things to do. But that's not what fires up your particular gift. The Holy Spirit has given you something that you can do. Uh, in my case, it's teaching. Um, uh, in other people's cases, it's encouraging or administration or, or or whatever their gift might be. And Jesus is saying, "That's find what your gift is and then do it. Do what God has given you the ability to do. You're going to find this incredibly exciting, cr- incredibly energizing. Jesus says... It's how I feel when I do what my Father sent me to do. And he uses that phrase, my Father sent me, 44 times in the Gospel of John. That is more than the other three Gospels combined, and it's more than twice in each chapter of John. So, Jesus in the Gospel of John is really serious about doing what God sent him to do. And, of course, the clear message to you and I is, what has God called you and I to do? Right. And are we doing it? And if we do it, won't that be exciting and and fulfilling? Uh, in Jesus's case, he goes on, he always says, uh, the thing he was sent to do was to convert the lost to true faith, right? They were Jews and they were practicing Jews, but that was not saving them. They right. Were, they couldn't live according to the law. And so Jesus has come to, to teach them uh, about the covenant of grace and salvation through faith. That's what he was sent to do. And he says, that's that's a great deal. I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so then verse 35, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And okay, I don't know that saying. <laughs> <but> <laughs> what's he talking about here? What 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 is this crop? I guess he's talking about... Uh, farming, which we see a yeah. lot of in the yeah. other gospels, first kind of first time we've kind of seen it in John, but yeah, he's, he's always using farming metaphors because it probably relates to most of the people. But what is he talking about here?
1: We know the location of Jacob's well, and we know the location of the city of Sichar, so we know where Jesus was, and we know where the woman was coming from and, and going to, and between those are many, many. Fields of, of five to 10 acres, maybe 20 to 30, five to 10 acre fields. Uh, and when you read verse 35, uh, mine says, uh, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe. And then I've got an asterisk Mm -hmm. by that word ripe. And most translations will have the word, uh, ripe or harvest or whatever word they use will have a, an asterisk by it. And if you look down at the bottom, it's going to say, white. What Jesus said, what John actually writes is the fields are white for harvest. And for a long time, we said, oh, so these are wheat fields that were starting to come into, into season. Um, and and the white grain heads, uh, the tassels on top of the grain, that's what Jesus was looking out at. And it was reminding him, you know, of a of, of harvest coming. Problem is, Wheat doesn't grow in that area. Never has. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be that then. No. And it's probably not cotton either. That was no, my first thought. Exactly. White is cotton. Exactly. Yeah, that was my not... next thought too. I, I spent a bunch of time in Arizona, cotton fields everywhere. And, and in my mind, say, I, that's what I've always seen. Uh, but no, no cotton growing there either. Uh, and I came across uh, a, a really neat theologian, a guy named William Barclay. Uh, and he's got a unique perspective on this. And after after reading his thoughts, I think I agree with him. And he says... What is the cheapest cloth to buy? It's white cloth. Because to make it a different color, you have to dye it. And Mm. dye is expensive. So that raises the price. Even if you're dyeing it a a simple color, red or blue, that greatly increases the price of the cloth. In addition, nobody wants to make clothes out of white cloth because it's so easy to stay. Right, it's just gonna be gray or brown pretty quick anyway. exactly. And so uh, Barclay says, Poor people, people who just flat like, couldn't afford anymore, all wore white. And so his perspective is Jesus is looking out on, on these 20 to 30 fields, and whatever they were growing doesn't matter. All of the workers were wearing white because they are poor Samaritans. And Jesus is pointing out these people to the apostles and going, look, look at all that white that's ready for harvest. Uh Those people are ready. They're Samaritans. They've been told God does not love them, and and they're ripe. They're ready to go. And and I agree with him. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said it's white for harvest.
0: That makes sense to me. Um, Although, like I said, he uses harvest and and plowing and all kinds of farming metaphors elsewhere. And so saying that the fuels were ripe isn't really Throwing it too far from where he's at. No, it's not. But the white is an interesting thought. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, Verses 36 to 38. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Okay, once again, I didn't. I've never heard this saying before, but I'm not <laughs> in in Jesus' time. But okay, so what is he talking about? Well, who planted this crop, and what crop are we talking about? Yeah, he
1: says I'm sending you out to harvest a crop you did not plant, but he never specifies. Who did do the planting? Right. Where did this crop come from? And theologians are very dogmatic about five different beliefs. Who, and you can find people who will, who will uh, adamantly defend each one of these five. Uh, the first one is. John the Baptist, he's been in Samaria for about three months now, baptizing. And we know that he's been telling them the Messiah is coming, and I know who the Messiah is. He's Jesus of Nazareth. So uh, there's a group that says clearly John the Baptist is the one who's been prepping this field for the last three months. And now Jesus is going to show up, and he and his apostles are going to reap the benefit of, of John's work. Right. The second thought is that uh, the planter is Jesus through his teaching about the love of God and, and what salvation really means. But we read earlier in chapter four that Jesus doesn't do baptizing. He right. supervises, but he doesn't do the baptisms himself. So Jesus does the planting through teaching, and then his apostles, his disciples, do the actual work of harvesting. Repent of your sins. Let me baptize you. Welcome into the the, the church of Jesus. Uh, Theory number three is that Jesus does the planting through the crucifixion and resurrection. That is the pivotal moment of all history. Mm -hmm. And and when we say we believe in Jesus, that's step one. Do you believe he rose from the dead? That is the calling. And so the apostles who are going to remain behind after the ascension— Build a church based on that work, the crucifixion and resurrection. And so Jesus does the planting. The apostles, through building a church, do the harvesting. Okay, so maybe this
0: is a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah.
1: We're way before. Okay. Yeah. Theory number four says clearly it's the woman. She leaves the well. She goes back to town. She tells everybody, Jesus knows every wrong thing I've ever done, and yet he forgave me, and God loves me, and and you can be loved too. She's the one doing the planting to these, right? Samaritans have been told by Jews their entire life. God hates you. Right. You. That's why you were born in Samaria, because God hates you. And that's why you're poor, because God hates you. And, and so she's the one that's doing the planting. There is salvation for even those like me. And all the people from the town come out to meet Jesus and accept him. So Jesus and the apostles do the reaping. She does the planting. The fifth theory um, has the least traction, and yet it's the one that I embrace uh, personally nonconformist i am <laughs> and theory 5 says the jewish church did the planting when they threw away everyone who couldn't live according to the law when they told samaritans god does not love you when they told everyone who was poor whether they were samaritan or or judean or galilean god does not love you when they told everyone who couldn't pay their temple tax or or who had to work on the sabbath god does not love you they did the planting, and then along comes Jesus and says, that's, that's not how God shows his love. He shows his love by forgiving even your sins. Mm. That's how God shows his love. He does love you. And so the, the one that I like, it, it, it strikes the deepest chord with me, is for 700 years, the Jewish church had been planting seeds of hatred and, and demeaning people and just throwing human lives away, and Jesus saves those right
0: they've been basically turning people away from god yes and so jesus came back so they've been sowing negatively yes. in a sense yeah okay interesting um all five of them work yeah they do none of them are like no that yeah. no that yeah can't be right um i don't know which one a lot of them make a little more immediate sense yep and some make long-term yep. sense. So,
1: and I don't care what people pick. If, if you've got a personal favorite, it's a valid theory. It's it, it. You may well be absolutely right.
0: But if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> just, but I, I chose all five. So just say it. <laughs> just say <saying>. it.
1: Jeez, Ken. <laughs> all right.
0: we better move on before Ken gets in a lot more trouble. All right, uh, let's hit it up to the end, thirty-nine through forty-two. Uh, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for 2 days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, "Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard our because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world." So what's What's John's point in the summarizing of the story? I guess. Well, you know,
1: Jesus has broken so many rules in this chapter. It, that's his. That's his motivation. No, that's his operandus motive, yes. right? This is more yeah. is how he does things. He's always
0: breaking rules. Right.
1: A good Jew would never travel through Samaria. He would cross the Jordan River, travel on the east side till he got north of Samaria, and then cross back over to the west side. A good Jew. Um, would never talk to a woman without her husband present and witness to her there at the well. A good Jew would never step into the home of a Samaritan. And a a good Jew would never eat anything that a Samaritan had prepared. So so Jesus has broken every one of, of the rules. And the Samaritans know these rules. Yeah, because they've been subject to them. Exactly. (laughs) They've been punished by them for, for 700 years. And so when Jesus comes into their house and eats with them and tells them, God loves even you. You are a terrible sinner, but God loves even you. It has way more impact than if he just stood out the well, preached something like the Sermon on the Mount, right. and then walked away. Sermon on the Mount is a fantastic sermon. But in this particular case, it wouldn't have had the emotional impact of coming into their village, into their homes, and, and, and sitting with them. Um, The part of this that I love the most, um, because this has impacted my entire 30 years of ministry, uh, the woman is not a trained evangelist. She doesn't, she's not a Bible expert. She doesn't know church polity or discipline. Um, She's never been trained in evangelism and, and evangelistic methods. She just goes to her people and says, this is what Jesus did for me. <laughs> <laughs> he told me everything I ever did. Yeah. How many times have you heard me, you know, use that phrase? We, for 2,000 years, we've tried to develop evangelism programs. Right. And every year, a new one comes out. Buy this program, teach it to your people, show them the videos, uh, get them to take the written test, and then, and then start this program in your church, and you will make disciples for Christ. And it never works. They never pan out. But for 2,000 years, it has been in, incredibly effective when one poor soul says to another poor soul, Here's what Jesus did for me. And that that convicts, and that's how the woman does it. And and it's what you and I need to be doing today. We don't have to be Bible experts and trained evangelists. Opportunities will present themselves. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. I'll go put my bullhorn and my sandwich board away.
0: <laughs> now I don't know what I'm gonna do on Saturday. <laughs> The end is nigh. (laughs) Okay. Um, That's pretty powerful, though. I mean, and yes, you've said it a lot of times, but it bears repeating that it's as simple as, hey, I want to tell you about how Jesus changed my life. Yeah. That's all it really is.
1: One widow talking to another widow, and she says, how do you go on with your husband gone like that? And she says, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You know, right. one one bankrupt guy talking to another bankrupt guy. One unemployed man talking to another unemployed man. Just just tell them what Jesus did for you. Simple yet powerful. Yeah. All right.
0: Anything else on this one? Nope, that covers it. Okay, have you given a sermon title yet?
1: Calling this one just tell them dot 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 because I have used that phrase so many <laughs> times with our church, just tell them what Jesus did for you. That I'm hoping when they see that on the screen, they will all go well, Jesus did for you. <laughs> Just tell
0: them Rocky sent you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um,
0: where are we going next week?
1: We're going to finish up chapter four, uh, the story of Jesus healing the official's son. Oh, okay. Um, well, as we
0: wrap this episode up, remember the famous words of Groucho Marx. Okay. He sa- who once said, no man ever goes before his time unless the boss leaves early. (laughs) With that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.